0: Welcome. You are listening to Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. We hope today's message helps you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thank you for listening.
1: I'm Tom Crocker, um, Associate Pastor of member care, and it's a privilege to be able to share with you again this morning. Uh, maybe with a little bit lower voice, um, due to the graciousness of a grandson, i on the tail end of a summer cold. He, he was very gracious to give that to me, but uh, we'll just let the microphone pick up where I can't deliver as well. Thank You for Your worship this morning. We indeed are in the presence of a living God, drawing us to Himself. And in this moment, may we just rest in His heart, rest in His Word. Rest in his presence. We've been spending a a few weeks focusing on what it's like to love your neighbor. Um, Our core passage with that has been Luke 10, 25 through 37. Um, I'm not going to read that again today, but I do want to remind you of its essence, that it's that interaction with a lawyer. With Jesus asking, uh, how do you inherit eternal life? And Jesus inviting him to say, out of the law, what is it that it demands? And he says, love God fully and devotedly, and then your neighbor as as yourself. And it's from that question of the lawyer of who is my neighbor that the Lord shares this parable that we've… generally know as the Good Samaritan, but we've rebranded it to say a good neighbor. And at the end of that, as we're familiar with that story of two passing by that didn't give help and the Samaritan coming and giving help, and Jesus asking the lawyer, who, who was the one that proved to be a neighbor? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. And so from that, we have been recognizing that it is in our opportunity and our posture to be a good neighbor to those that are right around us in proximity, and then plus those that we encounter along the way in our pathway. So we've been focusing on the different values that we can carry with us in being a good neighbor. In the last two weeks, we've looked at the value of good neighbors practice hospitality. And then this past week, we looked at good neighbors serve. Well, today we're going to turn our attention to good neighbors pray. And good neighbors pray for others. Now, before we get into the main point of this, I just, I just want to do something that I had a good friend and mentor of mine would do sometimes when he would uh, be sharing a message. Before he got to the main point, he would just say, there's some tablecloth issues I want to share." That might have had more meaning back then when you think about tablecloths on tables. We don't do that as much as we used to, but there was, and and still is in places, a lot of attention given to that tablecloth over the table, setting the place for what's going to be enjoyed. And there are a couple of tablecloth issues that I feel like are foundational issues to understand, to to dwell on a moment, to think on, to reflect on as we move toward what it means to be a good neighbor, to pray for others. That first tablecloth issue is that in this world, there is suffering. In this brokenness, and then in the broken world, there is suffering. Jesus said it like this. In the world, you will have tribulation. Now, we don't have to go beyond this room to know that. There are those in this room who are experiencing or have experienced great suffering. You've, you've, you've experienced tribulation either from the world pressing in or from the brokenness of illness, the brokenness of evil, the brokenness of, of those things that, that this world in its brokenness delivers. And many of you have not been spared at all of that in fact maybe most of you have personally experienced that suffering but certainly you've experienced the need to be with those who suffer in fact many of you are by choice entering into that world of suffering because of vocation you've chosen either with patience who are struggling, either with students and schools who are struggling, families who are struggling, clients that you might see. You, you're, you're choosing to be in that venue of suffering. And you see that. And we know that that is part of the reality of this world. Yet along with the reality of suffering, there is another view. There is another view. And I would call this heaven's view. There is a heaven's view that comes alongside of the reality of suffering. And Jesus said it like this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Yes, in this world there will be tribulation. He says that up front, very honestly, very openly. And then he says, But take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul expands on this as he's lived in this and he's taken on and embraced this heaven's view from our Lord. In Romans eight thirty five, we read, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or famine, or nakedness, or sword? Though we live in a broken world, nothing in this world can separate us from the love of Christ. And Paul emphatically says in Romans 8, 38 through 39, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we, we, have this, we have this tension, if you would. We have this tension of suffering and heaven's view. And, it, and it's like there's this gap that we find ourselves dealing with. In, the, in London, the London Underground Railway, um, there are signs. And the sign says, mind the gap. Now that gap is where the platform is and then where the train is coming and there's this gap between the two. And there are signs everywhere, just this is an actual picture of that sign, mind the gap. And then when a train railway comes, they hear the announcement. Mind the gap. You see, that's, that's the picture here. That we have a gap that we need to mind. And that is the gap of this world that we live in with the suffering that's there. And the gap of heaven's view And God's view of us and that world and what he desires for us and what he promises us here and forever. That's minding the gap. And so how do we mind the gap with others who are suffering? How do we enter into that place? Well, to intercede... To pray for others is to mind the gap between heaven and earth. That's what we do when we intercede. We're stepping into that gap and we're minding the gap and we're putting ourselves in the gap in order to lift up and represent the needs to Christ and also to represent Christ to those in need. Richard Foster says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. Oswald Chambers, who's my devotional mentor, that i read every day says the real business of your life as a saved soul is intercessory prayer so we're not talking about just an a practice here or a transaction with god or a some sort of religious ceremony we're talking about the lifeblood of what it means to love God and love others we will mind the gap through intercessory prayer so how how do we do that how do we how do we effectively enter into that gap well we look to Jesus with whom we have that relationship with. And in Romans 8:34, Paul says, "Christ Jesus is the one who died? More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed who indeed is interceding for us." You see, we can't miss this having died on the cross Jesus was raised to life and he now right now is at the right hand of God and he's not just sitting he is actively interceding for us before the heavenly father of mercies in his death on the cross and now in heaven Jesus is the ultimate intercessor. And so is the Holy Spirit because Paul describes in Romans 8:26 that he intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Even when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit in us and through us intercedes for us to Christ. So here we have a remarkable insight into heaven as a place of loud intercession. So what does this mean for us as we seek to truly love our neighbor and and move into the gap through intercessory prayer? Well, I believe through the Holy Spirit, we literally join Jesus in his intercession for others. See, it doesn't rest on us. We join Jesus in his intercession. You see, prayer is first a relationship with Jesus. It's really not that complicated. It's really not that difficult. Prayer is a relationship. And a conversation with our Lord Jesus. And as we are involved in the goings-on of life and we run into those around us, our neighbors next to us, and as we run into our neighbors in our pathway, those who are in need, we literally, all we have to do is just turn to Jesus. All we have to do is turn to Jesus immediately and pray. Begin having conversation with him. Where once we could ignore the problem of others, we now begin caring deeply because he cares deeply. Because of Jesus, we are sensitized to the world's brokenness and those deeply impacted by that brokenness. We yearn to our neighbors to know Jesus fully in their need. We step into the gap and join Jesus himself standing before God on their behalf. That's what it is. To pray for others. So there's just a couple of steps that I would invite you to consider. The first step is to pray with knowledge and heart. Pray with knowledge and heart. It's really just as simple as inviting someone to ask, how can I pray for you? Learning how I can pray. Listening carefully to what is really underneath the surface. We can be quick to pray for that which we think is the need. When we need to spend more time listening, inviting continuing to know how we can truly pray. I think there's a beautiful picture of this with Jesus and Lazarus. And if you'll remember the story, Jesus is with his disciples and he learns that Lazarus, his friend of Bethany, is dying. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, send him a message and tell him that he's dying, his friend, with the hopes that he would come quickly and in his power as son of God, change that. Interestingly, Jesus delays going. But he tells his disciples immediately that this death, that that Lazarus' illness is not going to lead to death, but to the glory of the Son of God. Jesus already knew the outcome. If you remember the story, the end of the story is, is he calls Lazarus out of the tomb after four days, and he comes out from being dead. That's the end of the story. Jesus already knows that. He knows that view. He has that view from heaven. And he pauses. And then he comes. And interestingly, as he comes, you would think that with Jesus knowing what's going to happen already, why wouldn't he just go to the tomb and call Lazarus out? When Martha comes first, and approaches him, why wouldn't he say, watch this, I'm gonna take care of it? He didn't do that. With Martha, he pauses. She comes out to meet him. Interestingly, they have this conversation and Jesus lets her share. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. They're having this conversation. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He looks to Martha and says, do you believe this? And she says to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into this world. Do you see what just happened? Jesus didn't rush by her and do what he's going to do. He paused and spent time inviting from Martha what her real need was. You see, she was grieving, yes, of the loss of Lazarus, but she was struggling more with the assurance of who Jesus was. They needed to have the conversation so Jesus could interact with her and bring her to that place. And then later, Mary comes to him. And that's a whole different kind of conversation. Because Mary is broken in grief. And she is struggling deeply. And it says, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Notice what happens. Remember, Jesus knows what's going to happen at the end. But notice what happens in this moment with Mary. When Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Some translations will say he was even angry, not at Mary, but angry at the suffering, the brokenness, the very thing that that had taken Lazarus' life. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And you know the next verse. You know the next verse. Jesus wept. We have to engage with knowledge and heart if we're going to intercede for people. And that means we cannot rush by them. We cannot just take what's on the surface and say a prayer on there. We have to see them. We have to engage them. We have to know their hurt. And as best as we can, recognize and relate to that. That's how we truly move into the gap to pray on behalf of others. Because of our relationship with Jesus. I just this past week, a couple of weeks, I just missed this entirely. I I got a question from somebody that wanted to know a position of belief. And I immediately responded to the position, which was a heavy position of belief. And it was all by text. And then I recognized. This wasn't just about what we believe about this. This was a person who needed someone to pause and find out how to pray. It's not always easy, but we must be attentive. And we must repent and confess when we fail to and ask God to show us how we can know with our heart how to pray. But then we also must engage with God's view. In other words, we need to ask, what does God want? We know what we want. But what is God's view in this? What does God want in this moment? And instead of telling God what we think he should do for them, we should join in with his prayers and ask what he wants. You see? We join him in his intercession. So we we need to identify relevant promises in God's Word. We need to be in God's Word, getting that heaven's view from from His Word and focusing those, those, those discoveries and those learnings on that particular person, place, or situation. And we can be sure as we do that that we are interceding for them in line with God's purposes. And therefore, when we say in the name of Jesus, we are joining Him in that this means before praying what we seem to be what would seem to be the obvious prayer for someone we move into the gap by asking God how he wants us to pray for them we can even invite God to reveal to us who our neighbor's heart that we need to pray who is it that that we need to be giving attention to. Paula knew I was preparing this, and she's um, good about sharing. And I was grateful to get this because it's from a a piece that is a report of of a Good Samaritan uh, interaction and... in the the Congo, Republic of the Congo. And recently a ministry team posed the question to their church leaders, who is my neighbor? That ought to be affirming. We're joining others in doing that. And the term defined there, this will sound familiar, is that real neighbor as someone who is in need spiritually and or physically. So these participants decided that Inmates in a nearby prison were their real neighbors. God revealed to them neighbors they didn't know that they had. And they visited the inmates bringing food, water, Bibles, and song books. And they prayed with the inmates. They prayed with them and shared the word of God with them and encouraged them. And as a result of the love shown to them, 31 prisoners Receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. God will reveal to us our neighbors as we seek to invite them. Our challenge this week for us is let's move into the gap with intercessory prayer. Who can you pray for right now? Who do you know right now? What name comes to mind right now that you can pray for this week? And how can you engage more with knowledge and heart to lift them up? And how can you spend time inviting the Lord to reveal what He wants in that You may even invite him to show you someone who is in need physically or spiritually. We got someone this morning that's going to come and share and kind of re- reveal um, her own experience in this. So, uh, Laura, where are you? There we are. Uh, Laura Netton's going to come. Let me do what I need to do here to... y'all welcome Laura <laughs> now this is sort of like asking an icon to introduce herself and who she is but I'm gonna go ahead tell who you tell who these folks who you are
2: my name is Laura Netten, and um I've been in Memphis. It'll be 19 years this fall, and um, at um, a part of this church that whole time. So um, it's just been a really ple- a pleasure um, just to be able to be a part of this uh, church community for that length of time. I work at uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, and I'm in human resources there. Um, and most of my family is up. Well, really, all of them are up in the Midwest. That's where I'm from. And but I've Yeah, this is where I call home and have for a while now.
1: Hmm. How many years at ICC?
2: 18. It'll be 19 this fall. 19, yeah.
1: Not the oldest member, but uh, the longest tenured member. We're grateful. What resonates with you, Laura, with praying for others, interceding? Uh, with you know loving your neighbor by interceding for them, what is it about that that resonates with you?
2: yeah, thank you for asking me that Tom. Um, I think for me um, I just have learned um over time that prayer is the, the true work uh, because i'm I'm a very like i I like to be involved in like, do things for people. I'm a doer, and if I see a need, I'm going to try to help fill it. And uh, one of the things that the Lord continues to teach me is that it's not always um, the doing um, that other people can see, but it's really, um, it it is that work of, of prayer. And so... Um, if, if the Lord's not in it, um, it's, it's kind of pointless anyway. Um, but I just see that um, in my times of prayer and praying for others, he often is also uh, changing my heart um, and in terms of even what I pray. And so um, just the points that you made this morning just really resonated with me as well, just to be able to you know, stop and engage with people and, and just really try to understand where they are and then see how the Lord might be, you know, moving and working in that to be able to yeah. draw them to himself.
1: Can, can you share a story where, where you have been impacted or seen uh, intercessory prayer impact a situation or person along the way?
2: Yeah, and I think that… Um, Sometimes about prayer, it's it's a hard thing because you don't always um, you know see tangibly the mm-hmm. ways that Lord the Lord is is moving. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes it's it's not like in your time at all. <laughs> Most <laughs> of the time it's not. Um, but good, um, good one reminder. of the ways, yeah, that the Lord has really uh, kind of pushed pushed me out of my comfort zone is is actually with coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, just because I'm around them all the time. And, um, but just to really be able to take the time to not just, you know, be transactional and do the work of the work uh, that we do, but, but to also take the time to, to know them and uh, to be able to look for ways where uh, they might be hurting or uh, just might be in, in need, um, just emotionally and spiritually and then to be praying for them. And uh, I have a coworker right now who's had a lot of uh, just challenges in the past year. Um, and I know that the Lord is is working on her. It's not um, like the work is still there in mm-hmm. progress, you know. But mm-hmm. as I've prayed for her and as also she has opened up um, her heart and her life uh, to me, and I've been able to also share my testimony with her, Um, I I've seen um, just softening and I see um, you know searching going on Mm -hmm. and and so I'm really grateful just to be able to come alongside uh, people in that way and to be able to um, just entrust them and I think one of the things that the Lord has also continued to uh, challenge me on and encourage me in is to yield um, that person or that situation to him Um, Because, of course, I want things (laughs) to be well and to be good or to be done in a certain time frame or it should look like this. And um, I think that also that's one of the points that you made is to really know that, you know, Jesus waited, too, with Lazarus because he uh, wanted to show beyond just healing or saving somebody um, physically, but also to be able to bring about greater good even than that. And so... Just trusting um, that the Lord is sovereign in all of his ways, perfect in all of his doings, and so uh, we can believe that uh, in the midst of someone going through a challenging situation um, or things not going, um, you know, him really turning things uh, to be in a in a better place, that uh, he is still good and he is still faithful and, and working, and so for me, it's also yielding um, myself um, to his will and, and to his sovereignty, mm. trusting that he is um, all-powerful and all-good, and just um, so really surrendering that person to him, and so that even when I don't see somebody just surrender and give their lives to Christ wow. and, and trust in his love for them, that I know that, you know, he's, he's still working, and, and it can still happen, and not to give up in that prayer.
1: Amen. Amen, such an encouragement. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much for sharing y'all, y'all thank Laura as well.. Oswald Chambers says that when wherever God puts you in circumstances, pray immediately. Pray that His atonement may be realized in other lives as it has been in yours. Pray for your friends now. Pray for those with whom you come in contact now. That is is the challenge of today. We have this work of moving into the gap between heaven and earth. And on behalf of those that God puts us with, we can now pray, immediately pray for them and invite God to reveal what He wants in our praying for them. So that's my challenge. That's my invite to you. And you may, you may be here even seeking God and not knowing Him in that relationship Oh, please know you're welcome to come and let us know how we can pray with you. There will be prayer counselors here. But there'll be prayer counselors for those that want just to pray. You may just have a burden and a heaviness on your heart that you want to pray with someone. Or maybe the person next to you. Take a moment as we sing. As we listen, pray with them. Pray now that we might know the love of God for us and all that we encounter. Let us us pray and respond.
0: Thanks again for listening to this Bible teaching from Island Community Church. We want to encourage you to join us for worship in person soon. No podcast can replace God's good design of gathering with other believers in a local church. For more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church, visit us at iccmemphis.com. We offer a prayer of blessing for you from Romans fifteen thirteen.